Six or seven weeks ago, Valerie, one of the vocalists in the worship team, talked to us about the importance of reading and studying Scripture, of staying in the Word. And she also talked about the negative effects of, of not reading Scripture, of not staying in the Word. And she said something really resonated. She said, that is not who you are. It really convicted me. And it convicted a few of you because some of you mentioned that to me during the, the week or two that followed. Now, Valerie's talking about our Christian identity, who we are as Christians. Paul, in Galatians 3, verse 26 and 27, writes, and this is from the Greek New Testament, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The English version talks about clothing yourself with Christ. Almost like you're, you're wrapping Christ around you. Think in Christ. You probably heard the phrase living in Christ. You heard it this morning from Pastor Bill. Uh, you've heard residing in Christ. And when you hear that, it's a reference to our identity, our, our Christian identity. A long time ago, a man was traveling through the forest. And he came upon an eagle, a baby, I think it's called an eaglet. And it was injured, fallen out of its nest, would undoubtedly have died. Uh, but this man had compassion. He picked up the eagle. Took it with him back to his farm. He happened to have chickens. So he, he nursed this eagle back to health. It seemed to enjoy living with the chickens, so he let it stay there. And as it uh, got old enough to fly, he realized he had fallen in love with this eagle. It was his favorite animal. So he wanted to keep it, so he tethered it so that it couldn't leave. It couldn't fly away. And as this eagle matured and became full-grown, it would scratch its feet and it would peck at the ground. And it acted like an eagle. It would, it would speak like an eagle. And every two or three years, a man would come down from the mountains and restock, resupply. And he'd, he'd, he'd uh, visit this village and he'd visit this man. And he saw the eagle. He said, what, what's going on? You have an eagle living with your chickens. And the man said, I know. I found him. I saved him. That's my favorite pet. You know, I love that eagle. He's all, isn't it not awesome? And the, the mountain man said, it's, it's an abomination. You can't have a majestic creature like an eagle living with these chickens. Look at him. He thinks he's a chicken. And the man realized, the farmer realized, you're right. I loved him so much, I wanted to keep him, but you're right, now that I, I see it, I don't know what I was thinking. So he untethered him, cut the line. But the eagle didn't do anything, it kept doing the same thing. It was free to go, kept acting like a chicken. Right? Uh, so the mountain man picked it up, and he carried it over to a wall, and he put it up on this wall, as high as he could reach. And when the eagle saw things from that new perspective, from that eagle, that bird's eye perspective, and he saw the sky and he flapped his wings a little bit and he, he realized, man, I, can, I think I can go up there. I don't think I'm supposed to be down. He noticed 
like mice running through the grass. He heard all the sounds, and for the first time, he realized what his purpose was. And he flew away. He was gone. That eagle lost his identity when he was young and inexperienced. He thought he was something entirely different than he was, than he was made to be. And he only regained that identity when he was able to see things from, from a different perspective, from the correct perspective. The eagle was made to dominate the skies, not to scratch around in the dirt with a bunch of chickens. Now, when I was a new Christian, <clears throat> it wasn't too long ago, I struggled with identity. I wanted to know everything, but I knew very little. I wanted to do everything, but I was afraid of messing up. I believed that I was saved, but I still felt like the same old me, you know? I was ex it was extremely confusing. I was overwhelmed, and I was underperforming. Wasn't I supposed to feel different? Wasn't I supposed to be infused with some kind of energy, some kind of power like those guys in the Old Testament? Because that didn't happen. I just didn't feel like I thought I would feel. I thought I would immediately be happy and content and wise like Solomon and holy, but I didn't. I felt like the same old Ben with the same old problems. I had an identity problem. I didn't yet know who I was. I didn't know how to live like a Christian. I didn't know how to live in Christ, and I didn't realize that that, that was the most important thing that I needed to do. Now think about your identity for a moment. Who are you? Do you have a name? You work all day, or you stay at home, or you work from home? You live somewhere, you come from somewhere. Maybe you have children, maybe you're married, maybe you're an ex-con, maybe you're a philosopher, maybe you're angry. Are you sad, depressed? Is everything in your life perfect? Are you manic? Are you overweight? Are you too skinny? Are you paranoid? Are you in love? Husbands, do this. Have you experienced loss? Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you desperate? Are you exhausted? These are rhetorical questions, but I saw a lot of heads bobbing along, not just with the husband part. <laughs> and when I said, are you paranoid, a few of you were like, hmm. <laughs> But look, to answer those questions is personal. Some are yes, some are no. I know many of you most, of you, most of you know me, we all have problems. We are all messed up. We're all broken. We have good times. We have bad times. That's life. All right, that's life. But those things and those situations are not our identity. Amen? That's not who we are. If we live in anger or depression or loss, we're missing the point of the gospel. If we're living in anything except Christ, we're missing out. Now, does that mean if you're not living in Christ that you can't be saved? Or that you're not saved? No. Being saved is different from living in Christ. 
So let me clarify these two doctrines real quick. When you are saved, when you are given salvation, you're justified before God. We call that justification. That means you're righteous in the eyes of God. Living in Christ, on the other hand, is the process of becoming holy. We call that sanctification. Two very different but very important doctrines. And here's why. When you're saved, you're justified. Immediately and completely. That means you will go to heaven because and only because of God's grace and His mercy. If you're truly converted, you're saved. Justified. Done. You can't get more justified. You can't get more saved. Then you don't help God with your justification. When you believe in Christ and you commit to Him, you're justified. Immediate, complete. You are not, however, made immediately holy. That's called sanctification. That's the process of becoming holy. That's the living in Christ part. And it takes time. So when Valerie said, that's not who you are, she's saying, you're not supposed to be that person who lives in sin. You're a new creation. You're a child of God. You need to become holy. You need to live in Christ. That is your Christian identity. It just means that we're people who live in Christ. If you don't know exactly what that means, the in Christ part, or if you've struggled with those words like I have, Good. This will be a good day for you. We're going to look at scripture that helped me understand what it means to live in Christ, to have that Christian identity. Why? You might be thinking, do I need to live in Christ? Why is this important? Well, it's not just important. Okay? It's absolutely critical that as a follower of Christ that you live in Christ. If you're not living in Christ... If you do not see yourself as possessing that Christian identity, you're not following Christ. And you're not putting him first. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Aside from becoming a Christian, living in Christ is the most important thing you will ever do. Let me repeat that. Aside from becoming a Christian, living in Christ is the most important thing you will ever do. So let me ask you, do you live in Christ? Is that your identity? Is Christ the lens through which you approach the world? Do you understand that concept? Jesus talked about this throughout the New Testament. I'm going to focus on just a few verses that help me. First, here's how C.S. Lewis put it. That's the guy who wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Do you see everything through Christ? Do all your actions filter through Christ? Here's the big idea. Christian identity means you live your life in Christ. Your worldview, the lens through which you see everything, everything 
Everything must be through Christ. Now, right before his arrest and crucifixion, in John 16.33, Jesus said to his disciples, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. Now, in Greek, the word tribulation is rendered affliction. That's a bad word. And take courage is rendered be cheerful. So Christ tells us we're going to suffer. Then he tells us to be cheerful. Why would he tell us to be cheerful if we're going to suffer? It's because he has overcome the world. He won. And when we put our faith in Christ, we get to share that victory. That's the only reason we can be cheerful. You see, Jesus wouldn't say, hey, be cheerful. I overcame the world. You're still going to go to hell, but I overcame the world, so be cheerful. Doesn't make sense. This verse tells us that when we're saved and we live in Christ, we get to share in his victory. You guys, that's the best news ever. That's the gospel. So Christ has established a couple of things here. We're going to suffer because of the world. If you've ever suffered, put your hand up. There's no way around it. If you haven't, it's coming. It's going to come. (laughs) You will suffer. It's a fact of life. But he has overcome the world. He defeated sin and death. You have to get that up here. You have to understand that. And we are to be cheerful because we're going to share in that victory. If you're saved, guess what? You're already sharing in that victory. You're already in eternity. You've already started. That's the good news. That's our hope. That death is not our end. That when our bodies die, we move on to a perfect place. And we get to be with Christ and with our our friends, our, our family, our people. To put it more bluntly, we don't die, get thrown into some dirt, and that's the end. We get to be with Christ and our families and our loved ones. So how do we respond to this? Well, that's where our identity comes into play. We respond in two ways. They're both directed by Christ. First, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me. When we commit to Christ, we become believers. We come to him. That's the first part. He initiates the meeting. We respond. At that point, we're justified before God. If we're sincere, we are saved. This is the part I told you about earlier. That's immediate. Happens in an instant. That quick. And remember, you're either saved or you're not. There's no middle ground. That's our first response. Come to him. Second, Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Remain in me. 
So Jesus says, come to me and remain in me. I'm going to belabor this point. That's what it means to be in Christ, to live in Christ. That is your Christian identity. That is who you are. You need to come to Christ and you need to remain there. And the beauty here is the simplicity. You don't need a doctorate in theology to understand this. The Bible wasn't written so only smart people get to interpret it. If you're a Christian, here's your identity. Come to Christ and stay there. So you're saying if I see everything in the world through the lens of Christ, I'm living in Christ. Yes. But remember, this is the part that you get to work on. It's the part you get to work out. It's an action. Come to Christ means get saved. Remain in Christ means to live your life in Christ. Think of it this way. If you do not remain in Christ, where are you moving? You're moving away from Christ. That's where you find yourself in trouble. So let's talk about how you can live in Christ right here, right now. You've heard of the first person who was ever saved by Christ, right? Um, Jesus is hanging on a cross. He's already been beaten almost to death. He's suspended to this cross by nails. He's on the verge of dying. There's two thieves hanging next to him. I usually look at one, you know, like a bad one on this side and a good one on this side. We don't know, but there's two of them. One of the thieves is insulting Jesus. Okay, and the other thief rebukes that thief. And he says, don't you fear God since you're under the same sentence, meaning you're about to die just like he is? We are punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You guys all know the answer. He says, Jesus says, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Folks, he just got saved. Did he say a, a prayer out of a book? Did he come up to the front and sign something and make a pledge? No. He lived in sin to his last day, probably to his last two hours at the most, if that. He knew he was about to die. He knew it. He was sincere and probably terrified. But he acknowledged his guilt. He acknowledged Jesus. And he asked for Jesus to remember him. And he was saved. How confusing is that? Can you not do that? Won't you take that step? I'm asking you to take that step. Because it's the only way. That's the first step. That's coming to Christ. The second step, remaining in Christ. That's to immerse yourself in Christ. It's immersion. You're a Christian. Be a Christian. Always. Every moment of every day. Easier said than done, right? Here's a short list of things you can do. Don't write it down. You guys already know these. 
preach the gospel to yourself every day. Oh, I'm not a preacher. I don't know how to do that. I'm not saying walk around, you know, doing it out loud. Jesus loves you. Tell yourself that. He died for you. He forgives you. All right? You think he's walking? You think he's mad while you're walking around doing stuff? You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to impress anyone ever. You can't make him love you more. You can't earn more. All right? You know he loves you. Talk to yourself about God every day. All you can. Second thing, pray. Pray alone. Pray with your spouse. I got a really good advice yesterday, by, or the day before, Pastor Bill. Trying to change the wording just a little bit. Give your wife a hug before you leave the house and pray with her every morning. You think I'd be doing that already, but I, I haven't been. <clears throat> Include your family and your friends in your prayers. It's awkward. It's weird. If you've never prayed in front of your family, do it. It's worth it. The stuff we do to get in trouble, we do it off by ourselves when we're alone. But if every day you know you're going to be with your family or your spouse, your husband, wife, whoever, and you're going to be praying, you're going to think twice about stuff. Pray for everybody. Pray for predators. Pray for terrorists. Pray for the lost. Pray for that person you hate. Pray for that one person that you just can't stand. Pray for the government. Pray for everything and everyone. When you see someone down walking down the street and they're struggling, you see that awkward guy, you know, that's wherever, pray for him. It takes two seconds. It's important. Maybe no one ever prays for that guy. Before you do anything, pray. Before you sleep, before you get out of bed, before you eat. You getting the picture here? Prayer, important. That's living in Christ. Make church a priority. There's a little bit of controversy here. Some some folks think they don't really need to go to church. It's uh, between them and Christ. Not true. You miss church for death, for emergency room visits, for blizzards. Not Dairy Queen, blizzards. It was getting heavy in here. If you miss church, are you going to go to hell? No. Some some denominations believe that. It's not a biblical answer. Um, but there really shouldn't be many things that get in the way of you showing up to church. Okay? This is where you regenerate. Right here. This is where you revitalize. This is where you get refreshed. This is where you learn to renew yourself. This is where you learn about the Bible and how to apply it to your life. Um, this is where God lifts up your soul, your attitude, and your relationship to God, just like in Paul uh, when he wrote in Ephesians uh, 4.23. This is where you worship with your brothers and sisters. Christians go to church and they worship together. That's what we do. 
Okay, Christ didn't say he was going to build you up. He said he's going to build up his church. That's us. That's all you. That's us together. You split us all up, we're nothing. We're in we're in big trouble. We're family. Right here. Finally, live each moment in light of the presence and lordship of God. Think of God always. Think of Christ. Think of the apostles. Think of Moses. Think of any story in the Bible. Dwell on those things. Teach them to yourself. And live moments of your life relating what you're doing to what they did. The good ones, not the bad ones. Okay? Acknowledge him every moment in your life. He's the king of the universe. He created everything. I, I was trying to find a really profound way to say... How do you, I mean, he's incomprehensible almost, you know? How, how can you keep that in your mind as a lowly creature? And I don't know how. It takes time. But that's the mindset you need all the time. And by the way, he sees everything and he knows everything. Nothing you do is hidden. So live with each moment. Live in each moment with that in mind. And if you do all those things, if you're one of those folks that uh, have been a Christian for a long time and these are all, this is all old news to you, please find someone and mentor them. Don't keep it to yourself. That's killing us. Not this church. It's just killing the kingdom of God. Help each other. I know many of you who are Seriously, you're geniuses, and you're out there, and you're mentoring people. I know a few of you who don't. Get out there and and share what you know. If no one shared with me, I wouldn't be up here. If you guys didn't share stuff with me, especially you, I wouldn't be here. That's the only reason I'm here, because people reached out to me. We need you in the trenches. It's not a spectator sport. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to close with a story of a man named Aaron who was born with a severe facial deformity. His parents couldn't stand it. Put him up for adoption. They wouldn't bring him home. So he grew up an orphan with the stigma you would probably expect. Kids didn't want anything to do with him. They made fun of him. People were afraid of him when they were walking down the street. If he was coming, they'd cross over. He was that hideous. When he became an adult, he decided, I'm out of here. I'm moving away. Can't take it anymore. So he's looking for a fresh start. You guys can all understand that. Well, in the big city, he visited a physician who designed for him a mask. And the mask fit perfectly. It made Aaron feel, you know, like he blended in. He just didn't stand out. It made him very handsome. It didn't look like a mask. He loved it because he could go anywhere and do anything and no one paid him any, any attention. But at first he was uncomfortable with the mask. It was awkward. He was afraid others would notice who he really was. 
But he continued to wear the mask every day. He made friends. Eventually, he met a young lady. They fell in love. They were married. Eventually, he had kids. Life was good. Then one day, an evil woman from his past happened to be traveling through the city. And she bumped into him. She wanted everyone else to know how hideous he was. How evil she was. So she forced him to take the mask off. But when he removed the mask, it revealed a handsome, kind face. His face had conformed to the mask. Almost like teeth do when you put braces on. Living in Christ, embracing your Christian identity is analogous to this mask. My friends, it is okay to put on Christ. It may seem uncomfortable or unnatural at first. You're going to think, I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. Who am I fooling? My friends know that I'm whatever. But every day, just keep on putting on Christ. Keep on living in Christ. And every day, you will grow to be more and more like him. Please stand up. Father in heaven, uh, we we are all we stand before you flawed. We have problems, we have issues, we're broken, but we have hope. All we have, Lord, is hope in you. And we struggle to live in you. We struggle to please you sometimes and to uh, and to do more than we necessarily even need to do. Today, my prayer, Lord, is that anyone in here who needs you, who needs to come to you first, that they'll come to you right now. That they will commit themselves to you. And they'll acknowledge you. And they'll become your disciple right now, right here. No fancy prayers just that they'll acknowledge you as Lord, that you overcame death for their sins, that you rose again, and that you'll give them that hope, that you'll embrace them, bring them into your kingdom, Lord. And I pray that everyone in here will consider, really think about living in you, and that they'll change their worldview from that, whatever that thing is, Lord, the anger, the past, the pain, whatever's causing them to that disconnect with you, Lord. I pray that you remove that and that instead they focus on you before they see anything else. That's my prayer today. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.